0: Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So today I wanted to talk about chivalry. If you read my blog post on a Monday, that would be Monday, May 22nd, then I spoke about the idea of toxic masculinity. And so the title of that blog piece was Toxic Masculinity, What Did You Expect? And the reason I named it that is because, of course, if you read the blog piece, then you'll know. But the reason I named it that, just to summarize, is that I feel as though much of what was able to channel some of the quote-unquote problematic aspects of masculinity was attacked by feminist and liberal culture. And since it was attacked, what we were left with was the quote-unquote problematic aspects of masculinity and now that that's all that we're left with we're now trying to piece together something else that will be able to either dull down or dim or change those more problematic aspects of masculinity and so before i continue saying problematic aspects of masculinity what I mean is that there are some aspects of masculinity that can be dangerous if it's not funneled in the correct uh through the correct means and through the correct sort of culture and ideas of manhood so it's a biological fact that men are stronger than women especially upper body strength and if men are left with that strength without knowing how to funnel it then that can become dangerous to society the same with sex men in general are seen to have a higher sex drive than women that can also be dangerous if not funneled correctly into a moral society so both of those aspects whether it's religion or tradition was able to were able to be funneled through societal notions like chivalry and male honor, so that violence or aggression or rather that physical strength did not turn into just violence, but rather turned into protection, protecting the weak, protecting women, protecting one's honor, protecting one's country, protecting one's religious or moral ideals. And that's what you use your strength towards. Uh, Not too long ago, I wrote a post on Facebook about, it's not about nature versus nurture, but rather how can we uh, nurture our nature. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't really matter to say, Is it society or is it inherently that men are more violent than women? That's not what really matters in my point of view. What matters more to me is to say, here's this extra physical strength that can lead to violence. How can we take what is natural, that superior physical strength, and nurture it into something that is valuable? And for me, It is more worthwhile to see someone who has whatever raw talent or raw characteristics and try to tunnel that into something positive than just trying to change it or trying to make it doormat. So for me, the wrong approach is to say, Men have this extra physical strength that can lead to aggression, so let's just make them not aggressive. Let's make them not uh, competitive. Let's just make them play nice. Let's give them more feminine characteristics of getting along and and putting relationship before um, competitiveness. And this has, has been shown in moral psychology that men are very often able to, what they call individuate, to create their own individuals, individual identity, which very often comes out of competition. Whereas women value relationships a great deal. And the mistake that moral psychologists made in the beginning was to say that a lot of women never got to this higher point of morality. And the higher point of morality for them was that you were able to have principles or guided laws, let's just use principles that you can always hold on to no matter what. And they saw that for women, rather, it was very situational and very dependent on relationships. That when w- women considered moral um, moral problems, that they always considered the relationship. So there's the famous uh, sort of ph- philosophical, psychological problem that they give of a man, a poor man, he goes to a pharmacist and he tries to get this drug for his sick wife so that, obviously so that she can get better, but the pharmacist who is greedy and this is a new drug, maybe it's the only drug he has and whatever, sees the man's desperation and charges him this astronomical price that he cannot afford. So the moral question becomes, should he steal the drug? And so a lot of the times when women approach this question in their studies, they cared a lot about the relationship. And a lot of the time, men, men and boys, cared a lot about the principle. So the principle of stealing is wrong or the principle of greed is wrong. Whereas women would very often look at it as well he shouldn't steal from the pharmacist because who knows maybe the pharmacist also has a family and that wouldn't be right to take money away from his family or he could end up in jail and then he wouldn't be able to take care of his wife so women very often looked at the relationship how would his actions affect the relationship and men very often tended to look at the principle of the matter And the mistake as i as i mentioned um on the outset that the moral psychologist made was to say a look at women we don't get past this point of relationship to come to more guided principles and so we are not as moral as men and that was a mistake that was a that was the wrong judgment to make and so carol gilligan if you've ever read her work or i suggest you read her work for more about this Then she explored in her book, In a Different Voice, she explored the ways in which men and women simply view problems differently, view view life differently, view, have, um, different emphasis on how they make decisions. And, um... So anyway, I got really caught up in that. (laughs) Back to my psychology days with the moral psychology example. So anyway, the point basically that I was just trying to make, the larger point is that men and women have proven to be different in many ways. And so the most beneficial thing that we could do is to nurture our nature instead of problematizing different aspects of our of our various uh not various of our two genders so for example it happens on the other side too a woman's uh ability to or lack of ability to be more aggressive when it comes to for example trying to get a raise or even in the way we talk then there's been studies that show that women use sorry a lot more women use but a lot more women sort of um I forget the exact name for it, but basically when you're talking and you're making a point, but then you kind of undermine yourself, um, like saying, I know this might be a stupid idea, but that sort of thing, that women tended to do that a lot more. And so instead of saying, instead of people in power, or even as a community and society saying, well, how can we better hear women's voices? How can we not hear that? automatically comparing it to men and think of it as weakness how can we as Carol Gillingham put it in a different voice how can we hear that different voice and be just as um, just as what's the word I want to say um, sort of just as react uh, responsive just as responsive to it as we would be for a man so if we know if studies have shown our experience shows for this example that women tend to say, I'm sorry, not because they're just so apologetic, but uh, or it could be, but they just tend to say sorry almost in order to soften the blow because they don't want to be aggressive. Again, pointing to that wanting to always keep relationships intact, so making sure that they're not hurting anyone's feelings. And so saying they're sorry is not because they are necessarily sorry, but that they want you to understand that even if they disagree with you or even because they're asking for X Y and Z doesn't mean that they want to hurt you in any way so why can't we hear that voice instead of telling women go out there and be more aggressive tell the people in power tell ourselves the society okay let's acknowledge that this is the way that women talk and let's allow them to talk that way and really hear them as women instead of hearing them as weak versions of men. So this happens on both sides, of constantly problematizing distinct features of each gender and making us, I don't know, sort of just picking and choosing what we like most about each gender and trying to create this new sort of genderless society where everyone is upheld by the same standards. And I think I already mentioned that that is actually one of the goals of radical feminism. And radical feminism, going by the textbook definition, believes that sexism is deeply rooted in society, and therefore in order to get rid of sexism, we have to get rid of gender. We have to become a genderless society. And you see a lot of radical feminism in that textbook definition throughout our society. I mean, going so far as to try and promote using pronouns like zur instead of her or him. And why do I find that problematic is that the sexes go beyond just gender. So it's true that some of the stereotypes that we've made up about gender, or some of the the, uh, expectations that we have of different genders are just nonsense. It's completely true. Blue is for boys and pink is for girls. It's nonsense. And in fact, if you go far enough, um, I'm not sure exactly when it was. I think it was either Vox or like BuzzFeed did a video about this that, if you go far back enough, it was actually the opposite. The blue was for um for girls, and so yeah, the blue is for girls, and so yeah, some things are silly, but other things are very closely related to our biology. <laughs> so. I can't. It's not fair for women to judge men as aggressive for just being men. Now, a man in in the male um, group, in the male group, then men can judge if a man is too aggressive because they have a different, they can recognize what is simply strength and competition and what is aggression and someone going too far. But as women, we can't recognize that. Just as just as Women, we can recognize someone being kind and re, uh, relational and not being weak, whereas a man may see a woman uh, showcasing certain characteristics and think of that as weak. Whereas if he just knew better, if he understood women better, he would realize that was not what was going on. So that that's a part of the issue, that there are some things that are better judged within a particular gender, and that we can't as easily judge as outsiders. Now, I don't believe that like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, you know, obviously, no one takes that literally. I don't think that there are just so many dramatic differences between men and women that we can never understand each other. But I do think that there are some aspects that we understand about each other, uh, or that we understand better inside our group than we can ever understand about the outside group. So I, I spoke about chivalry in this post and the way that it's been lost because because it was attacked, really. And it's not even just to say it was attacked in the past, it's still being attacked. There was still um, articles, I think, written as early, or uh, let's see, as, as far back missing a word here but there were as recently there were articles as recently as I think 2012 13 that I was still seeing as just completely bashing chivalry and even one article that I came across that was promoting chivalry in the comment section some people are bashing chivalry and one of the reasons that people bash chivalry especially people coming from the feminist radical feminist framework uh, knowingly or unknowingly is that it points to gender differences. So, some of the things about chivalry point to the fact or or rather stand as a representation that men are stronger than women and women are weaker than men. And this is part of the reason that some women have an issue with it. But the interesting thing to me and why I went through all of this about gender differences is that there are, in fact, differences between men and women, especially when you talk about physically, biologically, and yes, even some hardwired personality traits that you find more often in one than, than in the other. So men have a superior physical strength if it's about physical strength, if it's about competition, whatever we're talking about, men are going to win. And that is why, and it saddens me, it saddens me a lot, but then the more I study these things, the more I understand that it's not just men who have changed. There have been active voices in the feminist community that have told men that this traditional chivalry is bad and that a lot of men have taken that uh, have have listened to that and have followed suit. So sometimes when I go on a train and I see mostly men sitting down and women standing up, it really saddens me because chivalry is to acknowledge, if we want to put it in liberal terms, it's for men to acknowledge their privilege. And liberals are always talking about people acknowledging their privilege. White people need to acknowledge their privilege. Cis- people, which is basically uh, cis people in their, in their fancy uh, academic terms, th- those are people who are born in the gender that corresponds to their physical body. They want cis people to acknowledge their privilege. They want white people to acknowledge their privilege. They want men to acknowledge their privilege. Well, chivalry was men acknowledging their privilege and doing something about it. So chivalry is a man acknowledging, I am more powerful than you. And with that power, I'm going to use it in your service instead of using it against you. Because if it comes to seats on a train, (laughs) if it comes to who's going to get to sit down, if it's about competition and physical strength, men are going to sit down because they have superior strength. They are more competitive. But if, it, if men recognize that physical strength and that competition and say, and that competitiveness, and they say, I recognize that, I recognize my privilege in liberal terms, and I'm going to use it in the service of women. When I see a woman on the train, coming onto the train, I'm going to get up and give her this seat because I have more stamina, because I have uh, more physical strength. Because I have a greater um, leaning towards competit- competitiveness, I have everything that could beat her to that seat. Whether it's we're both walking in the train and there's one seat and it could be me, you know, the guy or the girl, or whether he has the seat already and he chooses to give it up for her, then he is recognizing that privilege and he's giving it over to her. It's like, if we want to use a from more familiar example in our, um, in our times, it's like if a white person sees a black person being pulled over by the cops and they stop and stay in that area and onlook as everything goes down because they know as a white person they have the privilege of very oftentimes being respected by the police more than black people. If they recognize that, and they use that privilege in the service of black people, isn't that a good thing? So why is it that when men recognize their privilege and they use it in the service of women, they were attacked? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite add up. And I think what's funny to me is that some of these feminists, they have the, the biggest voices. They're the loudest in the room, and sometimes a lot of women have to suffer because of them. So to have, and I think it's also the, the level of anger as well. I think that men in general do not like female anger. Like, they don't, they don't want to deal with it. They would rather run away than have to deal with an angry woman. That, Allahu alam, that's sort of my perception. So I think that because of the anger and because of those feminist women being the loudest voices, that a lot of men have actually become afraid Of being chivalrous because they don't want that anger they don't want to open a door for someone and they just and the woman rolls her eyes or the woman says I don't need you to hold the door for me or whatever else they don't want that bad interaction so then they just stifle themselves and and don't use that um, those chivalrous gestures anymore and I think it's really unfortunate because here we had an entire code of honor in chivalry. And I don't know why when we talk about chivalry, a lot of the times people want to go back to the days of the knights and the chivalrous code of honor. Yes, it has roots there, but chivalry is known all over the world. Any society that acknowledges gender differences, there will be chivalry. Either that or the women will be oppressed because it's one or the other. Either men recognize their privilege and use it in service of women or They choose to not recognize their privilege or they recognize it and they just don't use it in service to women. And this is what I spoke about in the article that our experience as women of what we're calling now toxic masculinity is really men being men. It's men being themselves and not filtering themselves to women because we told them not to because we as women kept telling them we're equal, treat us equally, treat us equally And so when men treat us equally, we're like, whoa, 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 we don't don't like this. This is toxic. And um, there was already a solution in place for that. And it's not that I condone um, something like, let's see, something like, quote unquote, what they call locker room talk. I certainly don't condone that. I certainly don't think that men should ever speak... um, sexually about women, uh, both ways, men or women. It's just inappropriate in, in general. It's not modest. But at least before, there was a point where if a woman walked into the room, then the men would all just keep quiet because they knew that it was inappropriate, immodest to do that in front of a woman. Whereas now, a lot of men may just keep talking and and this was chivalry towards very often not just women but women children and older people but now men will just keep talking unless women there's this one incident that happened uh, when i was back home in new york and there were some people in front of our apartment some young men and they were talking about all their nonsense about women talking 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 and they're they're by an apartment building so they know everyone can hear them And it wasn't until my sister actually stuck her head out the window and asked them to please stop. And then they said, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, they were apologetic. But before that, they would have known, okay, you're not just going to speak about this openly in public. My dad, who is obviously much older than me, has told me numerous times the difference that has happened over the years. Whereas before, men knew a woman a child or the elderly you would hush you would stop whatever nonsense you might be talking about you would move out the way you would give them their respect on the street and it's interesting the prophet said this is something that he spoke about as well giving respect to the street for men who were out on the street for whatever reason that they give respect to the street of, of uh, not harassing women and to uh, I don't remember everything he said. I'm not harassing women. I think keeping the street clean. I don't remember what else. But this sort of code of honor that men had, even the men who would be on the street speaking about uh, vulgar things, they would know respectfully enough, they would have enough honor that uh, they would stop speaking that way in front of women, children, and older people. But now we've told men, these feminist women, who may very well be the minority, but they've told men, treat us equal, treat us equal, treat us equal, so now when we pass by and we hear that vulgarity, that talk of sex and violence and whatever else, then we experience that as toxic masculinity. And no, I'm not passing it off as boys will be boys, I think men need to teach boys how to be honorable men as well, but at the very least, when it came to gender relations, men held a level of respect for women, even if they weren't respectful within their own group. But we've lost that, and now that we've lost that, we're trying to find it, but we're trying to do it in roundabout ways. Instead of admitting that was a mistake, we shouldn't have attacked chivalry, it was actually a very good thing for society, we'd rather have to continue to attack it but then call what's left of it toxic masculinity and go about, Allahu alam, trying to, what, feminize men, trying to create some kind of new way just so that you don't have to admit that the old way was better. It doesn't make any sense, and we would do ourselves so much better to nurture our nature, those things that are natural about us, natural for men or natural for women, that we nurture it into positive Uh, outlet in society, that aggression and quote-unquote violent, well not quote-unquote violence, that that physical strength that men naturally have be tunneled into something good, that the um, nurturing aspect that women have be tunneled into something good, because nurture is not always good. If you nurture the wrong person or if you nurture too much or whatever, you can actually harm yourself and the other person. So each of those natural aspects need to be nurtured so that they have positive contributions to society. And so unfortunately, I don't see the feminists or liberals admitting that they were wrong in attacking chivalry and admitting that toxic masculinity was the, is sort of the result of, of attacking chivalry. But nevertheless, at least if we as lay people continue to talk about these topics and not be so easily influenced by those with the loudest voices, hopefully we, just within our society through the groundwork, can continue to have these positive gender relationships, continue or revive positive gender relationships are in our communities that will really be good for everyone. So thank you for listening, inshallah ta'ala. I look forward to doing the next podcast. Take care and salam.